Welcome to the LDN Radio Show, brought to you by the LDN Research Trust. I'm your host, Linda Elsigood. I have an exciting lineup of guest speakers who are LDN experts in their field. We will be discussing low-dose naltrexone and its many uses in autoimmune diseases, cancers, etc. Thank you for joining us. This week, it's my pleasure to bring to you a presentation from the LDM Book Volume 2 Tour, October 2020. Um, Linda um, Elsgood is the founder of the LDN Research Trust and author. Uh, she started the Lotus Naltrexone charity back in 2004. She is also the editor and author of two Lotus Naltrexone books. And she herself was diagnosed with MS and um, through Lotus Naltrexone has achieved a much better quality of life and hope for her future. She now um, connects thousands of patients, doctors, and pharmacists through the trust. And I am going to let her go ahead and tell her story here in a moment. And she will give you some great insight on how the medication has really changed her life. So Linda, I will pass it to you. Okay, thank you, Haley. And it's a pleasure to be here with you today. It's a shame I can't be there in person. So briefly, I have told this story so many, so many times. I'd like to rewrite it, you know. Um, I was diagnosed with MS in 2000 um, with hindsight. I mean, when you've been given news like that, you can then look back and can see that actually that was a relapse. That was a, a problem. But because these things used to come and then go, I didn't ever tell anybody. Um, I've known my husband since I was 18. He said that I definitely had it then. Um, I had glandular fever, which you call Epstein-Barr virus when I was 13. And I had um, a year off school. I was really, really ill. And I would think today they would call it chronic fatigue syndrome because I literally couldn't move. Um, and I was 32, I can remember. Um, I was... 40 when I was diagnosed 42 something like that but when I was 35 when I moved my head down I had shooting um like electric shocks down my hands to my fingers which is a classic MS symptom I went to my doctors and he said that I had a trapped nerve in my neck um but that resolved itself um and then later I had uh, numbness in my leg but that that went and there were just hundreds of little things that got uh, closer together um, Christmas 1999 my mother had a heart attack and that was a trigger it was uh, stress and trauma and I was like Wonder Woman at the time, I could do everything. I was looking after children, looking after the house, working full time. My husband worked away, I was the, the taxi. Um, I could do everything. And then it was just as though I, I hit this brick wall and I, I wasn't able to do anything. I was in a wheelchair. I had, I lost my bowel and bladder control. The left-hand side of my body 
uh, was pins and needles. I had restless legs, twitching muscles, burning limbs, vertigo, cognitive problems. Um, similarly to somebody who's had a stroke or couldn't recall vocabulary, couldn't put a sentence together, was choking on food. And this just carried on getting worse. Um, initially, I was diagnosed with the relapsing and remitting. And if you think of uh, my level of uh, quality of life, if you like, it was here when I was first diagnosed. And then six months later, I'd have a relapse and I'd drop. And then I would start to get better like four months later to drop again. So it was doing this. Um, so normal became less all the time. And uh, in 2003, um, in the September, I had gone to see my neurologist and he said that he was, he did some tests and I shall never forget this. And any doctors that are listening to this, it's not the way to, to tell people. And I'm sure you're all uh, have a better bedside manner. He um, examined me, he helped me sit down and he put his hand across the desk and he said to me, I'm really sorry, you're secondary progressive now and there's nothing more that can be done for you. And he opened the door and showed me out. There was no plan B. There was nothing I could try, sorry. <clears throat> and I was just left on my own. So there's an awful long story to this. <laughs> I'm not going to go into all the details, but I actually contemplated on taking a lot of painkillers and, and just um, letting my family get on with their lives. But it would have been my 15 year old daughter who would have found me. So I couldn't do that. And I had to prove to everybody that there was something out there. You know, I wasn't unique. Many people have MS. What were they doing? Um, and back in 2003, the internet wasn't as it is today. It was difficult to find information. It was difficult to find people. But I found some people, and they were in America, uh, who were willing to talk to me. And they all said the same, that if um, LDN didn't help me, it wouldn't do me any harm. And at that point, even if it did have harmful side effects, I was <laughs> I'd have still tried it. Um, because there was nothing else that I could find that could possibly help. I was told that you could um, have mild side effects. You could have worsening of pre-existing systems. You could have headaches, sleep disturbance, vivid dreams, upset stomach. I wanted all of them because I wanted to know it was working. You know, give them to me. <laughs> I'll take them all. Nothing. I had no side effects or anything. It was just as I was taking saccharin. And living in my head, because I couldn't hear properly, see properly, or had uh, this awful double vision that was like that. So you couldn't make anything out. I used to have to put a patch over my eye. And I couldn't process my thoughts. But three weeks of being on LDN, it was as if that television set was tuned in. I could start to process thoughts start to hear properly, my hearing started coming back, my eyesight was settling, it was amazing. And by the February, 
I had to make a, a decision. Uh, this was February 2004. What did I want to do? Did I want to get on with my life and say I'm okay? Or did I want to tell those other people that were in the deep, dark place that I was in? So it was a no-brainer. I wanted to tell everybody um, that LDN was there. You know, we know it's not a miracle drug or a cure, and it doesn't work for everybody. But what does work for everybody? So I got together with some other people, and we set about... Um, becoming a registered charity. Now, it was very expensive, it was very time consuming, and it wasn't until I think the end of September that we finally managed to get our registered charity nonprofit uh, status. And the good thing is we, we work throughout the UK. Um, the aim of the charity is to try and get clinical trials done for LDN for MS initially, um, but that was impossible. That was not gonna happen because not many people knew about um, LDM. I think I was one of 400 people at the time that Dr. Bob Lawrence in Wales, um, he unfortunately died just a few weeks ago. And if it hadn't have been for him, how I was deteriorating so quickly, I wouldn't be here today. Um, it really did save my life. So the idea of trying to do clinical trials wasn't um, anytime soon because there weren't enough advocates of LDN. So it was a case of, well, let's look at it a different way. Let's turn it on its head. What do we need? We needed LDN literate pharmacies. We needed LDN doctors who knew about LDN, knew how to prescribe it. And back in um, 2003, when I started, the, uh, the regime of taking LDN was three milligrams for a month and then 4.5. But as we know now, um, three milligrams was gonna to be too high for some people and it would always be too high. So the dropout rate was quite high. The success stories, there were many similar to mine um, and, and some people couldn't tolerate such a high dose. So now, and I'm sure Steve is going to talk about um, the compounding of LDN, uh, just capsules anymore. I mean, there are, you can have capsules, you can have tablets, you can have sublingual, you can have liquid, you can have some people do gummy bears, some people do eye drops. I mean, it can be had in many different forms. And it depends on the patient as to what is the right dose for that patient. You know, it could be um, 0 0.001. Um, we're talking about microdosing here that can be used alongside of opioids to help with opioid addiction to get um, patients off the opioids. If it's an autoimmune disease, it could be 1.5, increasing slowly. The, the whole idea is to do it slowly so people don't get any side effects and they can find the right dose for them. So the what we do, um, I'm just going to show you my screen here. 
So we have worked really hard the last um, 16 years, 16 and a half years. And we have a new website. We unfortunately have to keep having new ones because they change the platforms. And anyway, it's a good idea to, to revamp every now and then. So, you know, what is LDN? That's the, the question a lot of people ask, not just patients, but some doctors too. Um, and there are buttons here. And this is the, the website. Um, find a pharmacist, find a prescriber at LDN Guides. The LDN Guides are really uh, interesting. I'll just click this quickly. We have dosing protocol guides, patient guides, and prescriber guides. Now, the dosing protocol guide is of interest to the patient and the prescriber. And if a patient wants to get their own doctor to prescribe LDN, it's a good idea to print those two off and take them with you. You'd be surprised the number of doctors now who are prescribing LDN because they hadn't really heard much about LDN, but they have patients that have obtained LDN elsewhere and can see that um, there are benefits to those patients. Whoops, what is LDN? How LDN works? Is LDN safe? Types of LDN and fake medications? That's not an American um, uh, publication. It's the Medicines, Health and Regulatory Board. This is um, a press release that they had uh, earlier and it showed that most medications that were imported into the UK were fake and a lot of them were harmful and some of them were just total placebo. But it really, LDN is a prescription medication. You need to get it from a pharmacy. Do not purchase LDN online. That is just playing Russian roulette with your, your life. It's not advised in any shape or form. Now, there are a list of over 200 conditions that LDN can help, and they're broken down here um, into categories. And I always go for the neurological one so you can see that MS is there along with all these other conditions. So there are so many and the list grows the whole time. And if anybody finds there is a condition that you take LDN for your patients, um, let us know and we will update that list. We've got the clinical guides there. We've got LDN books and we've got clinical trials and studies. Now, every month we update this page. Um, these are the, the latest ones. And you'd be surprised at the number of, uh, if you put LDN in PubMed, they'll all come up. There are hundreds. Um, back in 2004, when the charity started, there weren't that many. Dr. Ian Zagon had been doing um, studies since um, the 1970s, but he does them in a laboratory. He has some amazing amazing um, studies that you can read the papers. So he, he's learned so much, which has been 
invaluable. And Dr. Bernard Bahari started prescribing LDN in uh, 1985 for a friend's daughter who had MS. You can see all the different uh, things here. I was just trying to get you MS. And um, she'd been taking LDN for a while, for a few months, and she felt absolutely brilliant. It, it worked for her so well. She thought, why am I taking this? You know, I don't need to take it. I don't have MS. I've been misdiagnosed. So she stopped taking it. And then all her symptoms came back. So she did then realize, you know, it, it was working for her. And people will say to me, so how long do you need to take LDN for? Well, Dr. Ian Zagon always says that LDN helps regulate a dysfunctional immune system, helps regulate. So if you stop taking it, it stops regulating it. So you go back to how you were. It's not um, a cure, but it's something that can, you know, definitely help. And this is the page with the um, MS trials and studies and you can see the list goes on and on and on and on and that's just page one and there is a second page so there's a lot of interesting information there <clears throat> that you can dig into and have have a good read we have about compounding medications that's something we don't have in the UK you have to <clears throat> purchase your medicines um LDN from a specials company. Pardon me. And there are pharmacies that will um, dispense it. We have LDN articles, a blog. Uh, we have a section with nutrition and lifestyle, which is um, really interesting. Nutrition and lifestyle go hand in hand with LDN. LDN isn't a magic bullet whereby you can be a couch potato and live on fast food and expect you're going to feel healthy. You know, that's not going to happen. <laughs> Stevie's laughing. You, you've got to help yourself to, to, to get well and definitely not eat foods that um, upset you. And there is ways of finding out <clears throat> doing elimination diet and things and we started a new section um, a few weeks ago and LD they're frequently asked LDN questions and answers they're all answered by medical professionals um, for example can LDN make symptoms worse um, how fast does low dose naltrexone work um, how does it help with fibromyalgia? Can I take LDN with immune suppressants? And so on and so on. And if anybody has a question that isn't on there and you would like it answered, just fill in the uh, contact us form, which is up here. And we'll be happy to get somebody to answer it for you and have it on there. And again, we have find a pharmacist, prescriber, a vet, telephone consultations, our LDN marketplace, and if you're a medical professional, you can join. And another resource we have is our LDN documentaries. We have six and we had, I got it wrong the other day. We had six pain specialists who took part 
in the um, opioid and pain management um, documentary. We've got one dedicated to Scotland and Ireland. Um, we have the Game Changer, which is a um, LDN and cancer. Shortly after the um, documentary went live, um, Professor Angus Delgleish, who's one of the top oncologists in the UK at St George's in London, and his um, team, led by Dr Wei Lu, found that in a laboratory that once you'd got um, cancer into remission by using pulse dosing, it caused cell death. Um, they knew that the results were so astounding that they wouldn't ever get the paper published because they were too unbelievable. So they replicated the um, trial that they did and they got exactly the same result and they did it a third time and they did get the paper published. So um, when you click the link, you can actually get the um, link to the paper. It's uh, a very interesting paper. We also had um, bullseye, and as you probably guessed, that's about Lyme disease. And that was really interesting. Uh, LDN is a very good tool to use for Lyme disease, but Lyme disease and co-infections is a very complicated um, condition to treat and you have to use many different tools to um, help those patients. And we have the LDN story, which was the first documentary, which is going to be updated because that is quite old now. I think that was something like 2015, probably five years ago, but LDN has come on such a long way in that time. So you've got the documentaries, we have a newsletter, we have um, social media channels, we have a hidden Facebook group for medical professionals. It's private, it's closed, hidden, and doctors and uh, nurse prescribers, pharmacists can talk there freely um, without anybody else seeing what you're talking about. It doesn't go on your news feeds. And we have nearly 38,000 in our Facebook group for patients. It's a very busy group. We also have um, a list of interviews. Um, the interviews are past conferences as well. And you can sort that by condition. Vimeo channel and we have um, YouTube radio show, which goes on many, many different platforms. and. Um, there's a new one that came out last week, which is an Amazon podcast, but we have about 30 different um, platforms, radio platforms. It goes out to so many different people. LDN conferences. So if we have a look, uh, LDN 2017 conference, we'll see there are three day um, conferences with PowerPoints underneath. And I think we had about 38 presentations. So if you want to catch up with all the past conferences, they're all there talking about different topics. Uh, you know, there is just so much information. But if you wanted to go to our Vimeo channel and watch 
all the videos, I think we've got about 1200 there. So <laughs> if you did it back to back, you'd probably be there a couple of years watching all of those. And um, we have the LDN book two. I'll just uh, quickly explain about the books. Um, the first book, it was late one evening and um, Margot from, I can't think of her other name now, Margot Baldwin from Chelsea Green Publishing contacted me and asked if I would write a book. And I was, I don't know anything about writing a book. No, 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 I, I, I wouldn't have a clue. And she's a really, really nice lady, very, very persuasive. And I put the phone down to her and I thought, how did she get me to agree? <laughs> I didn't intend in ever agreeing. So the first book, um, I panicked and I'm a list person. So I wrote out the chapters that I would like to be in the book. Then I put beside it the person that I thought was best to write that chapter and asked them and it, it all happened quite quickly. And that is book one in the series. Um, book one and book two are completely different apart from the first chapter, which is the history and pharmacology of LDN, which is similar, but it's updated. There is some new information that is in there. Uh, we had lupus, MS, irritable bowel disease, chronic fatigue syndrome, fibromyalgia, thyroid disorder, restless leg syndrome, depression, autism, and cancer. Now, as I say, the second book, which has a history in pharmacology as well, but it's updated. Uh, we've got chronic pain, gut health, which includes celiac disease, irritable bowel, um, Crohn's, um, ulcerative colitis, it touches on all of those subjects. And there are over 360 references um, to papers that have been published. So that's really uh, interesting and lots of homework for you if you want to, to dig deeper. Um, dermatological conditions, uh, there have been some quite amazing studies for Haley Haley's disease, if anybody is familiar with that, um, psoriasis, and it's also used in, in eczema as well. We've got Parkinson's disease, and we've got LDN in the use of paediatrics. Now, um, it's written by a paediatrician. Not, I mean, we, we had autism in the first book, but, you know, juvenile Crohn's, arthritis, juvenile arthritis, um, and some children are taking it for um, post-traumatic stress disorder as well. You know, the, the list goes on and children seem to do very well with it, um, often using a cream. Then we've got women's health um, that goes into polycystic ovaries, endometriosis, um, painful periods, heavy periods, etc. And then we have um, some mental health issues. Um, and we also have traumatic brain injury, 
And lastly, we have um, Lyme disease and other tick-borne illnesses. So there is a lot there to, to learn. And we hope that the second book is as successful as the first. It has been um, truly amazing. So and this goes on about the, um, the book tour that we're doing. So I'll close this now. There we go. So what are the aims and goals of the LDN Research Trust? We would like to continue to grow all the pharmacists and the, and the doctors. It's very important, I feel, um, to have that relationship with your pharmacist. I mean, the world has gone crazy at the moment with the, all the COVID um, restrictions that have been going on and even doctors have had to change the way they're doing things um, by telemedicine rather than um, the face-to-face -face. but to have a pharmacist on board who can explain about drug interactions and if you have any side effects how to take it from the evening to the morning things like that um, that is the help and support you need. And we want to make sure that we can get as many doctors and prescribers who are experts in LDN helping. Now, there are many consultants that are prescribing LDN. People are quite surprised that these doctors who are trained in Western medicine, who are open-minded to look into using something that is um, outside of the box, if you like. But we have um, amongst our, our group, gastroenterologists, rheumatologists, several rheumatologists, in fact, oncologists, um, gastroenterologists, I said that, uh, gynecologists. It's quite amazing how people, uh, and pain specialists, many, many pain specialists. These are people who were disillusioned with the, the care that they were able to give patients. They weren't able to get them as to the place they wanted to get them to. And by putting in the mix LDN, they, they found that they were able to help patients. So for example, the other week we had a gastroenterologist who wanted to prescribe LDN but he wanted the reassurance from another gastroenterologist and some hand-holding and answering some questions to make him feel confident um, in prescribing. So we do a lot of introductions to different people. Obviously, the doctors that we um, introduce them to, we get permission first. Um, I will email them and say, Dr. So-and-so would like to talk to you you know, can I pass on your details? And I haven't ever had one doctor who's said, no, I don't want to talk. So that's really helpful. Um, and that is the way forward is by sharing the information, helping and supporting people is uh, definitely what we want to do. So we 
also are running right now um, an LDN survey. And we, we've tried to get as many patients who have ever tried LDN to take part, whether you've had any side effects or not. But it would seem as though most of the people that have taken part so far have had side effects. And one lady who I spoke to and said, have you taken part? She said, no, because I didn't have side effects. And it's like, well, we still need you to take part because it's it, the numbers, you know, it, it will look as though more people have side effects than not. Um, when we did a survey similar, um, I think it was about uh, probably 2009 or 10, uh, we only got 400 people taking part and we've got nearly 2,000 uh, this time already. And only 5% of people had side effects. And most of those were just um, a couple of weeks, uh, just introductory side effects. But as I say, people started on three milligrams in those days and not the, the dose that we have today. But there have been some uh, truly, truly remarkable stories, unbelievable stories. Um, for Crohn's disease, I had a, a lady, uh, she was about 36-ish, I think, at the time. She had two children, and she was bleeding heavily from the bowels, and she'd been rushed into hospital, and she was told that um, they needed to remove the bowel um, completely. She was going to to die if she didn't have it done. And they'd given her a pre-med and they were just about to take her down to theater. And she had a panic attack and she said, I want to go home. And they told her that if you go home, you're going to die. You know, this is dire. Um, you really have got to have this done. So she said, no, I can't, I, I can't, I've got to go home. And she went home. She did some research, she found LDN. It took like three days to um, find out about LDN. She got a prescription and she had gone back to see her gastroenterologist. I think it was about five months later, something like that. And they put the camera in the bowel again. Now her bowels, as you could imagine, were awful because that was why they were going to remove it all. And they found no Crohn's at all. It had gone. And not only that, she was pregnant. And uh, that was a big surprise because she'd not been able to be a wife or a mother or do anything other than just lie on the settee. You've probably caught so far. So um, that was an amazing story. And I've had other stories for um, cancer. And Dr. Rakbar Khan wrote a paper um, where a gentleman had uh, cancer on the tongue and he had been told that if he didn't have his tongue removed, the whole of his tongue, um, he, he would die. It was the only way to, to treat the cancer was to cut his tongue out. <clears throat> but that would mean he wouldn't be able to talk. And he refused to have it done. And Akbar used LDN amongst whatever other alternative therapies um, that he used. 
and a few months later his cancer had gone but I'm always very wary of talking about uh, cancer success stories because as I said before it doesn't always work for everybody and it depends on how far the cancer is what type it is where it is um, but it is definitely something worth looking into and, and finding uh, a doctor who would prescribe it for you um, you've got nothing to to lose it's a very cheap drug if you have to pay for it out of pocket uh, it's safe it's not toxic it can be used with other medications um, Akbar uses it alongside of cancer and radiotherapy so it's not a case of you've got to abandon western medicine to use ldn a lot of it is is used at the same time um i'm sure steve will go into drug interactions with you but it's definitely worth trying um for all autoimmune conditions where or other conditions where there's inflammatory problems um and this is what I was saying about being a, a couch potato and lifestyle and vitamins and supplements. When you have an autoimmune disease or, or chronic pain or whatever it may be, the body has a very high level of inflammation. And just by getting the inflammation down, it makes um, the condition so much better. And LDN works on reducing the inflammation as well as um it increases your endorphin production, which is your body's own natural painkiller and feel-good factor. Um, a lot of people will report that they don't catch colds on LDN or flu or bugs, whatever. Um, I'll be the first person to put my hand up and say, that doesn't work for me. Um, anything that's going around, any cold, chest infections or whatever, I catch it. But uh, do I care? No, I don't. I can function. And uh, I'm really lucky, um, very, very lucky, and I'm touching wood here, that when I have an infection, it can upset my MS. Um, I can get bad vertigo I can lose my bladder control my legs can go funny and because this has happened so much in the last 16 and a half years I know I've got history knowing that when I'm sick it can upset everything and it can take a few weeks it can take perhaps a month or also but I go back to where I was before which is amazing. So do I panic when I have a cold and I suddenly have got really bad vertigo or my legs have gone funny? No, I don't because historically it's always gone back once the infection has gone. So I'm very happy, very happy with um, the way LDN has worked for me. Now, I don't know if Monica's there. Have we any questions, Monica? 
I've got some info for you too. You're, you know, Linda, this is Steve. Your passion for LDN is why it is where it is nowadays. And it has become so, I'm going to say, almost mainstream for a lot of practitioners, which before it wasn't. I always find it fascinating how much you've given. You're very modest on your story. The first time I heard you speak, there was not a sound in the room and there was not a dry eye in the room. You really didn't get into the details of really how your MS debilitated your life and how you're right. You went from a very functional, healthy, vibrant person to pretty much bedridden. Um, you mentioned your LDN dose. Has your LDN dose changed a lot over the years as far as what you've taken um, over the years? Obviously, you've, your conditions changed through the years. Ha has that changed at all? The, um, the dose I was on, 4.5 after that first month, I've stayed on that dose. Uh, I have used myself as a guinea pig. Um, I've tried the liquid, I've tried the sublingual, I've tried morning dosing, I've tried evening dosing, I've tried double dosing, and it makes no difference. I'm, a, I'm exactly the same. So I stick with capsules and I take it at night because it's it doesn't make any difference to me whether I take it morning or night but it is my routine. I get ready for bed. Before I get in bed, I take my LDN. If not, I would forget, but um, that's how I do it. But as in my MS, um, I saw um, my neurologist, it must've been last year now. And he, I have a new neurologist and I'd been asking for years if I could have another MRI so we could compare it, you know, where was I? So um, this new neurologist came along and I think he was trying to get as many MS people off his books as he possibly could. And he didn't think I'd got MS because um, the way I am and for the number of years that I've had it. So he sent me for an MRI. And then I think he said to me, I don't think you've got MS. Um, I think there has been a mistake. That's what he said. So he sent me for the MRI, had to go back and see him six months later. And he said, I definitely did have MS, but he wanted to do another MRI with contrast. And um, oh boy, that I don't know what was in the, the dye or whatever it was, but that gave me really bad vertigo um, coming out of the, the hospital. Um, the, those results, he said, didn't show any more than the first MRI. And he then left it another six months. And I went back again and he said, he thought I was primary progressive because I've gone from relapsing remitting to secondary to progressive. Now he thinks I'm primary progressive, but he said, there's nothing more that I can do for you. So if you don't mind, I will remove you from the from my list um, and I won't see you again. And if you get sick, your doctor is welcome to uh, phone me and I'll give some advice over the phone. So um, I'm flying solo. <laughs> I haven't got a neurologist, um, but hey-ho. So, so, you, so your dose, and I just asked that because that's one of the questions we get is like, you know, what is the right dose for me? And we'll talk a little bit about it later, but I was just kind of curious in your story. And obviously you talk to experts all across the world about how your dose had changed. 
kind of along that along that same lines as far as that goes you really didn't mention the dire straits at one point you're in. You kind of briefly mentioned it, and that always the touching part of the story is for you, you felt like you were at a point. Tell me about LDN and how it's affected you in terms of your, like your whole mental outlook. And I hear that a lot. People say, it just I want to get out of bed in the morning. I have energy to do things I didn't do. It changed my outlook. I mean, tell me a little bit about that for LDN and your story. Yes. I will... I you said I was practically bed bound. I was bed bound. Uh, I didn't get out of bed. I, I was so fatigued and, and fatigue isn't being extremely tired. Fatigue is going to bed with your battery light slashing red. You sleep for hours and hours and you wake up and you're exactly the same. You don't feel refreshed. You feel really tired and sluggish. Um, I would lay down to have a nap and I could sleep three or four hours. And I thought I'd been asleep 10 minutes. You know, I was just so, so tired. Um, luckily, at that point, when I was really sick, and I'm not going to go into too much details because it always makes me cry, even though I know it's got a happy ending. Um, I... Um, was in bed, um, how long? Maybe like 80, 18 months, more or less, I guess. And I really couldn't get out of bed because of, if I, when I stood up, my legs were like rubber bands. I used to bob up and down. I, I don't understand why, but that used to happen. My left leg, the strength used to go completely um, and I had vertigo. And, I, and no balance, I would trip and fall and stumble and end up on the floor. Um, but it was such an effort. And for some reason, I didn't know where my mouth was. So I used to have to have people holding um, a cup for me. But it, it was extremely difficult to stay awake. Um, people would talk to me. And I was so embarrassed people would talk to me and I'd be trying to listen to them and focus and thinking I'm going to have to go to bed in a minute and I'd fall asleep while they were talking to me or I would be trying to put a sentence together and the stress and the the mental energy that it took to talk I'd fall asleep so it was just really really difficult um, at, at that point I was in bed and only got out to go to the toilet, to be washed, showered. Um, and that used to flatten me. You know, having a shower, that would be half the day wiped out because it would take me that long um, to recover from it. So <laughs> it was amazing in that three weeks, uh, cognitively, mentally and energy wise, it all started to come back. Did it all happen at once? No, it didn't. It took me a, about another 18 months to um, get to where um, I am now, I guess. I don't think I've changed that much um, in that time. Have I, I still I have to say, look at where you've come. You're, you were at that point and you've put together the amazing LDN Research Trust 
all the tools it does. You've written two books. And once again, like you said, it's not all just LDN, but as you mentioned, that's one piece of the puzzle, but look how that helped you turn the corner. I just find that amazing. That's the part of your story that always amazes me. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. That's quite amazing. I'm going to throw some rapid fire questions out at you. I have some people that have asked and I'll talk okay. about some of this later, but I'd love to hear your input. They asked you these questions. What are your thoughts on LDN and pregnancy? An absolute must. Um, Dr. Phil Boyle, who's one of our medical advisors, he has his own fertility clinic. He's been prescribing LDN um, to help ladies get pregnant um, since, oh, about 2000 or something like that. I mean, at least 18 years. And he always says that, I mean, it, it's, and again, a tool he uses, he uses other natural um, things as well. And it's not just LDN. However, he says that often when babies are born, they get chest infections or need antibiotics for some reason. And he said that the babies and the mothers um, they use LDN throughout and, and breastfeeding too, that these babies are healthier generally than babies that haven't been subjected to LDN. They are a better weight, they're more contented, they don't need the antibiotics. And when they do follow-ups, um, they're just amazing, these um, babies. So my mum would have liked that had I, uh, if she'd have taken LDN. I was born five weeks early and apparently I screamed for those five weeks. She we, been, we get that question a lot about pregnancy. You mentioned your Facebook pages on yeah. uh, your talk and you mentioned about your practitioner page and you mentioned your uh, patient page. Are those by request and how do patients and practitioners get on those? Okay. Contact me if you are um, a medical professional. There's a, a form to fill in because we, we check and verify people because anyone can say they're a doctor or a pharmacist when they're not. So we ask the license number to um, check that out. Um, but it is by request. And the, um, the main one, the, the big one, that's also a closed group, but it's LDN Research Trust. If you put that in Facebook, it will come up and you just have to apply to join. That's not um, checked or anything. Awesome. That's great. If any practitioners are on here tonight, need information about how to contact Linda, just shoot us an email at the end and I'll talk about how to get in touch with me so that we can get you on there. It's a great group. There's a lot of great sharing that happens. Um, one of the questions on here, and it's something I fear as a compounding pharmacist, what are you hearing down the pipeline about manufacturers trying to do low-dose naltrexone and take compounding pharmacists like myself out of the picture? Um, I really don't think it's going to happen. I would be very surprised. I mean, it is out of patent. And as you know, drug companies have the patent when they've developed a drug and it's very, very expensive. And then after a period of time, anyone can, can make it generically. 
but I think there will always be a place to have it compounded. I don't think there is the money in it for a drug company to even look at LDN. I, I would agree with you. I think the personalized nature of what LDN is about really kind of makes it a little difficult. So I 100% agree mm. with you. So this is a question that come in that I even had jogged down before I even got on the phone with you today. You're in touch with all of the LDN gurus. That's, that's what you do. I know that, Linda. And the question I know is, what are you hearing about research being done in terms of LDN and COVID-19? As we know, most of the problems are inflammatory driven. What are, what are you hearing out there nowadays? There are quite a few LDN prescribers who are doing little trials and studies on their patients. Um, I have had several prescribers tell me that they haven't heard of any of their LDN patients having had COVID. Um, have you heard of any patients taking LDN who've had it? I, I have not. I'm in a bunch of pharmacy groups and that's been a big talk about uh, our LDN patients and maybe trying to reach out to them to find out the ones that had COVID and see what type of reactions that they had. And so it's definitely something that um, I think is would be great to follow up. And that's part of the challenge is how do you put together big groups of information like that? You know that as well as anybody and try to make it useful for everybody else. But I, I don't. I was just kind of curious if you had heard anything. So No, I haven't haven't heard anything. Just kind of curious as far as that goes. Um, the next question is that I wanted to ask you about is, is as far as LDN and clinical trials, has there been any submitted to any type of health regulatory agencies, whether like in the FDA here in the US or any other countries that you know about? Have you had any luck with that? No. Um, and the trials and studies that have been done have all been small scale. Um, I spoke with Jared Younger, who did the fibromyalgia um, studies. He, he did two pilot studies. Um, he's really interested in helping with an LDN um, study, but it'd have to be double blind placebo trial over a long period of time with a high, you know, maybe 300, maybe more patients, it would be really, really expensive. And MS is a very difficult condition to use as a, as a <laughs> for a trial of, of its nature of um, symptoms. I mean, you can have relapsing and remitting like I was, and then I became secondary progressive and I stopped having relapses. But it would be finding out the right patient group um, it would take an awful lot of planning to make sure that the data was usable because how you um, extrapolate the data, you can either make it fail or pass by not getting everything in place to start with. But it would be, uh, if I have enough years left <laughs> in doing this, I would really like to see it trialed and even if it was for whatever condition, so that it could be prescribed by everybody as a first line treatment around the world would be amazing. I'm not sure um, how long that would take to do, 
as I say, there has been so many hundreds, hundreds and hundreds of trials and studies, but they've all been small. So it's not got there yet. But there are many MS people that take drugs for Parkinson's disease or um, narcolepsy, that they're drugs that have been trialed, but not for MS, you know, and hopefully if we got something where LDN was recognized for a condition, it could be used for other conditions. But who knows? I don't, we're not there yet. No, and I would agree. And, and that's the problem here in the US until we see those trials, it, unless doctors are open to a more of an integrative or functional slant, it's a little hard to get in that door. But yeah. I will tell you some of the success stories, like you mentioned, are what allows us to get our foot in the door with some practitioners when they show up and ask about it. So that's pretty neat. Another question that come in, this is regarding, um, does LDN need to be discontinued before surgery or general anesthesia? And if so, what's the best time to reintroduce after a surgical procedure? What, do you, what are your thoughts on that? Okay, that is one of the questions in that list of questions and answers. Um, I think it was pharmacist Steve Dixon who answered it. And he his advice is to stop it three days before you have surgery and then to start it again as soon as the opioids are out of your system you'll you're fine to take it again and it it varies from person to person what operation you've had what aftercare um, medications you're taking yeah and that, and i would agree with you that's typically what we tell patients too um and from the last World Conference, which those have been phenomenal. I, I learned that it's okay to be off of it for several days and start back. And sometimes people even have a better effect just to kind of give the body a break. I heard that from several of the lecturers. So I found that quite interesting as far as that goes. Mm -hmm. So tell me something. So a lot of people bring uh, conditions to you and like, hey, I tried LDN and it worked for this. Can you tell me the top one or two conditions that you were like, oh, okay, I have a hard time believing that. You want to you have a couple of conditions that really surprised you that you really have heard that LDN worked well for? Well, I was quite surprised when I heard about all the mental health issues that LDN worked for. And I don't know whether you know many prescribers that prescribe it for mental health issues, but some of them take it three times a day, you know, um, and, and that always um, seems strange to me. Um, and different dosing regimes, for example, um, chronic fatigue syndrome. Many of those patients do double dosing. So they say 4.5 is the dose they're on, but they find that it gives them a buzz and they feel flat after a few hours quite often the doctor will prescribe the, the 4.5 twice a day, but it isn't seen as nine because it's left the system. So they're the two separate doses. So it's still 4.5, but twice, not nine. But that always, uh, mental health, I think that is the biggest thing that has surprised me. And I really thought post-traumatic stress syndrome not having thought too much about it <laughs> beforehand. If somebody said to me, what does that mean to you? I'd have said, oh, that's war veterans. That's 
what post-traumatic stress is. But of course it isn't. It's rape victims. It's um, children that are bullied and domestic violence. I mean, it's a big thing, um, post-traumatic stress. It, it can be any age. It doesn't have to be um, military personnel. No, that's great. So just kind of a final one wrap up question for you is I don't think anybody realizes the time and dedication a number of hours a day you put in to get LDN and I truly believe if it were not for your efforts the thousands of patients that we have on LDN wouldn't have the access that they do I'm going to be honest with you I think nobody like I don't you're across the world you were going to come here to the US it's the middle of the night where you're at but here you're up spending your time with us and, and telling your story. And I'm very grateful for that. Tell me, what, what is it, you and Linda, that drives you every day to do this? I mean, I know it's changed your life dramatically, but tell me, tell me what's one or two things that just get you up every day that, that you feel like makes a difference that LDN can do for others that makes you put the number of countless hours that you do to make the LDN Research Trust so successful? Well, before I, I answer that question, I want to say that Everybody who helps with the LDN Research Trust does so as a volunteer. I do work long hours. I don't get paid. People think I'm crazy. It's a case of wanting to give back. You know, people helped me when I really needed it. I want to help other people. And when somebody says to me, you know, thank you so much. I feel I've been given my life back or I feel I've been given a second chance. That's invaluable, isn't it? You know, and I, I'm a woman on a mission. I really want to get that clinical trial done, you know? And if, if I'm shortchanged and I die before, I'm going to be very disappointed. Any questions or comments you may have, please email me, linda, L-I-N-D-A, at ldnrt.org. I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you for joining us today. We really appreciated your company. Until next time, stay safe and keep well.